0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Robcast. (laughs) And we are in the back house with Lisa Mandel. That's right. Uh, And um, how are you feeling? (laughs)
1: Uh, I'm feeling full of butterflies right now, to be honest. Why? Because it's not every day you get to meet somebody who is like a mentor. I mean, I don't want to put you on a pedestal right away, but...
0: Well, let's start there. Fantastic.
1: (laughs) Well, so I'm a four on the Enneagram, so I tend to make people mentors and gurus... Like, pretty quickly.
0: Why does the four on the enneagram? We've I've referred to the enneagram in the Robcast repeatedly, but never actually walked people through the whole thing. So let's just continue to sort of move around it. Okay. What's a four? What's a four?
1: So fours are the romantics or the idealists or the most feelingest of feeling types that there are, um, and they. It's so funny because. Um, As I was reading about it, I just took the test a couple of weeks ago. There were so many things that word for word matched up exactly with what I had written in my diaries when I was 13, which I'm sure we'll get to those. Really? Um, But fours uh, always have a sense that something is missing. um, And they seek that, they seek the answers to that. They're big seekers, which makes sense to me.
0: Yes, absolutely. Kristen's a six. I'm a seven. At some point, friends, we will do a whole Enneagram thing. Yes, do it. But for now, I love that you started there. Okay. Now, Lissa is an actress, comedian, um, and the host of The Bitch Seat. Yes. Which is a show that you do live in New York and L.A. hmm And uh, she contacted me a while ago and invited me to be on The Bitch Seat, so I got to be a guest on The Bitch Seat. it's like, You killed. <laughs> oh, that's so kind of you. Okay. Um... <laughs> So let's start there. Okay. How do you, ex- why did you start the bitch seat and how do you explain it to people like to my Robcast friends who are like, what exactly is the bitch seat?
1: Okay. So first of all, uh, the title, the bitch seat refers to the middle seat in the back of the car, uh, which is where I always got stuck growing up because I was the, the little one. And so when we'd carpool to dance class or what have you, I would always get stuck riding bitch, which nobody wants to ride bitch. You don't get the window. There's no place for your legs. You know,
0: how old were you when you started referring to it as riding bitch?
1: I, I think that's just common lingo where I come from. I grew up in suburban Connecticut on the shoreline and that's just what people said. There was shotgun.
0: Yeah. Front passenger.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And then there was the bitch seat, which is like, you're screwed. Ha ha. You know. Um sorry, by the way, I just realized my language might be um okay. I oh, I just I oh. I speak freely and curse like a sailor but I'm going to try Everything to tone it down. Everything belongs
0: here. Okay. <laughs> we embrace the totality of the human experience.
1: Amazing. I Every, love that.
0: the the the, the, the back house, I would say a code of silence, but if you're recording it, that's kind of not what it is. Right. But no, you, you we are here to be you. That's what's so beautiful about it.
1: I love it. I love it. So, what's so the,
0: what what got the idea going?
1: So I was a really prolific journaler when I was younger. Um, I was a really, uh, I thought a lot and I and I got the sense that I thought a lot more than any of my peers did. And I treated my journals like confidants and friends. And I read the diary of Anne Frank when I was in fifth grade in Hebrew school and immediately was like, yes, that, because uh, she, she has this, this phrase, paper is patient. And I felt like, that was the one thing that could listen to me that would never get sick of me talking about my feelings plus the need to always record was really
0: oh interesting was really
1: there like i felt like i i needed to make sure i wasn't forgotten and that i didn't forget things and that i i was heard and so secretly in the back of my mind even when i was little i was like maybe someday someone will pick up these journals and read them i don't know but you know all kids want to be famous like well, that was your what was your f-
0: uh, home like? Was it a literary home where you're passing books around? Was writing something that was talked about? Um, Did you pick it up there?
1: Yeah, I read a lot as a kid. Um, my parents are both pretty, pretty intellectual. They, they were born and raised in Queens in New York. Um, just your classic, like, liberal, cultural Jews. We went to the ballet and all that. And um, uh, my third grade teacher, Mrs. Kellogg, was the first person who encouraged me to write Cause she saw something, she saw some seed Mm -hmm. and nurtured it. And it was, that was where it started. That was when I always started having a notebook with me at all times. And there's third grade, third grade. I was eight because that was when I was becoming aware. That was when I was waking up to noticing things that I knew other people weren't noticing, which made, which was very lonely. And so the loneliness caused me to write more and, uh, so I could try to figure it out so I could try to find out what was quote unquote missing. And, um, so I kept journals all the way through high school and then, um, they're very melodramatic. All the details are in there. Lots and lots of feelings. And, um, and I was really, I was depressed and sad and so this was a way to keep that at bay. And then about three and a half years ago, uh, a friend of mine was doing a variety show uh, at the Pit, which is, the People's Improv Theater is the, the comedy theater where I came up in New York. Uh, in the underground space, she was doing a variety show and somebody was doing um, storytelling and somebody was doing stand up and someone was doing characters and I decided to read a couple of entries from these old journals.
0: What you have in a box or a storage? Like how? Oh, many?
1: I wherever I move, I haul a gigantic crate full of notebooks with me. Yes, I do not travel light. Um, like heat
0: just just book after book after book.
1: Yes, yes, and it, I mean they're right now they're under my bed, which I'm a little superstitious is why I have so many anxiety dreams. But we can get to that later. <laughs> um, but they're the most important, valuable objects that I own. Um, if, if something, if my house was going up in flames, I would go for the journals first. Have you
0: read all of them lately?
1: No, no, I don't. I mean, once in a while I'll open the thing and I'll go in there and I'll just see what I find.
0: So you, there's, there's pages and pages and pages and pages of these journals that you don't know what's in there. Exactly. So, uh, people's improv theater. Yes. There's a,
1: there's a variety event, show, a variety mm-hmm. show.
0: And you decide, I'm just going to get up and read some of these journal entries.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In among stand-ups and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And the response was explosive. People were laughing until their teeth came out. Like they were, I, I was shocked. I mean, it's very embarrassing to read these things. How because- did you set it up?
0: Hey, I realized everybody else was doing things that you <laughs> would normally think people would do at an event like this. I think I was going to read from my whatever 13-year-old. Yep. Were you nervous?
1: I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified because I've always been a performer. I mean, I wanted to be an actor and I've done a lot of improv and plays and other people's scripts and stuff. But, um, I there's, okay. So there's a show, a a nationwide show called mortified. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it happens in several different cities and they have people get up, uh, and read from their old diaries or old stories or whatever. Um, like an like an open mic, but for old diaries and I know that I have so much material there and it's so rich. So so I tried it, you know, on my own and it felt so good. And the crowd immediately started laughing, laughing started... Laughing, laughing in this in these notebooks where I was saying, oh my gosh, I'm having a fight with this friend. I feel like I'm going to die on a bed of spikes or something just totally over the top, totally... Jane Austen, whatever. And, um, so I decided I have so much material. Um, my boyfriend Phil likes to say I wrote all my best jokes, you know, 15 years ago. Thanks so much past self. (laughs) I did a solo show called a view from the bitch seat where I read for an hour. I read various entries like with my music stand and I projected drawings that I had done. Um, And uh, I packed the house with a bunch of supportive people. And it was really redemptive for me. Really, really healing. Because I was able to put that space between my present self and the sad, sad, sad child that I was. And um, it felt so good that I said, I want to give this experience to other people. I want to give other people a platform to share something that they felt was awkward or shameful or embarrassing and then get that warm response from the audience and live through it. And, uh, it gives a nice kind of closure. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. You use the word redeem.
1: Yes. Yes. Like
0: you, you think back on your youth and you think sadness. Yes. And then you're taking your very visceral recordings of that experience, reading it Mm Mm-hmm. And people are laughing and it's all, it's, it's good.
1: It, it really is because it's a, see how far we've come. And I never fail to have a show where people will approach me after a lot of times strangers and say, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you thought that. I can't believe that you were feeling those same things. I felt the same things. You know, I didn't write them down or you wrote them in this way that I never would have thought of, but... And then hold a a box around of them from apartment to apartment or house to house. Exactly. I mean, that's a whole part of of the move out here that I have to plan. how I'm going to bring all the ephemera with me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's so... It's so fascinating because I was... for many people, their internal dialogue Mm -hmm. for many of us, our internal dialogue all day long is all the things that we're trying to do better at beating ourselves up over all the things that we're trying to nail that we're not Mm -hmm. all the things we're trying to figure out and sort out and do better at Mm -hmm. as opposed to going back and realizing, wow, I've come a long way.
1: Yeah. And if, you know, there's definitely, uh, it can be a downfall to look back too much. And I do have to balance that, you know, I'm trying to be in the present. I'm trying to not be completely tied to my past, but this is a way of, it's kind of like alchemy because I'm taking this, this pain, you know, and polishing it up like a jewel and turning it into something that is actually uh, useful and, and healing and is providing joy and comfort to a lot of other people too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it totally happened by accident. I mean, I wasn't even trying to do this thing. Right. But it just, people responded so to it. So it
0: became a live, you do it, do like a live show.
1: We do a live.
0: In New York and LA. Mm-hmm. Which is, and each time you read something different. Oh yeah. Have you ever read something and been like, ah, that, and been like, what was it? it got like a completely different response than you thought.
1: Yeah, there are sometimes I read things and I and it's met with silence, which I don't think is dismissive silence. I think people are feeling the weight of it, but um, I recently started actually at the top of live shows saying to people, I know that this is under the auspices of a comedy show. A lot of the guests here are comedians, but not all of this stuff is funny. So feel free to respond however you respond you know, and there might be some silence in there and that's okay. I have, I have the word permission tattooed on my arm, on my inner left biceps, um, as a reminder to have, to have permission to have whatever feelings when that I When did have. you get that
0: tattoo and what inspired it?
1: Um, I, uh, I did this, uh, I got it a few years ago, five years ago, maybe four years ago. It's in my best friend's handwriting. Uh, it's in white ink. I'll show you, but, um,
0: did you have your Best friend, write out the word permission.
1: Yeah, she wrote it out, and she's a little bit of a perfectionist, so she wrote it out about a hundred times, and I chose the one that I liked <laughs> best. But uh, and then you took, yeah. Oh, it's like white. It's in white ink, yeah.
0: So it well, looks really interesting. Yeah. Is it in parentheses?
1: Yeah, it, it is. I don't know. That makes it seem more like a whisper to me.
0: And then you took it in and said, "I would like this." Yep. And
1: why? Why that word? So. So I studied uh, the Meisner acting technique, uh, a two-year conservatory with Maggie Flanagan, which was the best two years of my life. And during that time, there's Here's a... Maggie, by the way? Who, who is she? Yes. She is a legendary Meisner acting teacher. She, What's Meisner acting? Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm taking everything <laughs> for granted. Isn't that fantastic that oh, i just stop crazy. you and go with that? crazy. Uh,
0: by the way, if somebody, when people say things, and I don't know what it is, I'll, I'll I always just go... No, I mean in general... I that feeling when you when like of nodding along when people say things mm-hmm. and you don't know what they're talking about but you nod because you want to appear smart. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, no, I haven't seen that. No, I don't know what that is.
1: I love that. I, that's so honest. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thank you. It was from not being honest and then being like, now I'm way into the conversation and I'm completely lost. <laughs> and I'm so I was
1: lost. Like, no, I'm just
0: gonna stop everybody all the time. What's Meisner acting?
1: So Sanford Meisner. Um, what a great name. I right? know, right? Um, he was uh, a legendary acting teacher, uh, part of the group theater, I believe, which is a famous like major theater back in the day. And he had a couple of quote unquote disciples, um, Maggie Flanagan was one and and William Esper and they were at Rutgers at the Mason gross school, which is a very well-renowned, um, acting program. And, uh, Esper and Flanagan left there opened their own studio and then uh like 10 years later maggie left there to open her own studio she is now for all intents and purposes retired but um her studio is still there and going strong and i was one of the last classes that got to be with her for those two years so speaking of looking for gurus you know i had one for two years and it was maggie um, but uh how
0: is that school of acting what, what does that like what would make for those of us who have not know nothing about this
1: it's based on um, it's based on cultivating a rich fantasy life as opposed to stanislavski's is sense memory and is about recalling actual things that happened from your past so it's digging up past traumas meisner says no, it's about your rich fantasy life. The fantasy life is infinite. You can find whatever motivation you need from that. And the technique itself, they teach it very, very, very slowly. They don't even give you scripts until a couple of semesters in, but you're doing improvised exercises where you're given a circumstance, your scene partner's given a circumstance, and like very intense ones, and then you just live it out fully. Um which is very intense and you have to learn how to open your body enough be soft and vulnerable and open enough that those emotions can flow through you. And so what would be a scene? Like what would be a scene you'd be given? Um, I mean, it's been, it's been a few years since I've done it, but for instance, um, and, and the partners work it out ahead of time, what's going to happen so that when one, so one partner will be in the room doing an activity, like really living through the circumstance. And then the other person will come home and, will be in a certain emotional place because of the circumstances just maybe they just got news, news that somebody died or um, you know they just got news that the person they're living with is cheating on them or they just won the lottery and they're going to give the that ticket to their roommate or whatever it is so really big things that allow you to live out really big full emotional and then there's life there's no script you just go. no script you just go yeah, and they, thats why it takes two years because they start it really, really, really basic, and then you get to this place where you're watching this beautiful life but unfold in front of you. when you're bad at it, you. what's it
0: like? When you're first starting out, like if I were to try this, I would be like, "Hey, I'm gonna give you the lottery ticket." Well, great. No,
1: but see, that's already several Do you months you into k- it. you Get but-
0: a Camaro? <laughs> <laughs> like, how? So what happens? You as an studying. You get better and better at accessing those emotions genuinely.
1: Yes, because, because there is a the bullshit meter is like spot on. And so Maggie or whoever the other teacher is at the time will stop you and like coach you from offstage and say, That's not real. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Because you have to always be doing something. So the acting
0: coach will basically from offstage say, Hey, you're acting. Yeah. Like, if I feel I've like got, you're acting. Yeah,
1: I got that note. And you know what? It was, two, it was a two-year process of learning to not be defensive, of learning to take in, to really take in and listen and respond truthfully in the moment. Because a lot of people go into it and they're immediately like, no, but I was doing it right. I was doing this. And that defensiveness is a wall. So it's a two-year process of that wall crumbling down. Um, and in association with the acting, because... There's so much going on in your body and so much stirred up and it needs to move freely. There's this movement work. I'm so happy I get to talk about this And what's this interesting to, right to me, me
0: is, is learning how to act then was a huge part of it was your body.
1: Exactly, but exactly. But this is why I'm getting to the tattoo. Oh, that's right. We have have somewhere we're going with this. Right. So there, it's a long (laughs) windup, but the point is I'm getting to the body, which is that there's uh, a movement technique that dovetails with this two year Meisner program and the whole, it's a four semester movement technique designed to make the actor's body open and vulnerable and able to really receive and give back a, a flow, you know, truthfully. And, the man who invented this, his name is Lloyd Williamson. He lives in the Adirondacks in a sprawling mansion with his beautiful dog, Katie. And, um, I didn't meet him until several years after, but his, the technique that I learned from other teachers at the studio, um, begins with every single class begins with 10 minutes in which to do nothing. So everybody's wearing just, you know, yoga clothes lying on the, uh, Oh, my gosh. I said dog, and the dog appeared. That's yeah, insane. I know.
0: You did just say he lives with his dog, and that <laughs> moment my dog appeared. I know. That's a good <laughs> moment right there. Oh, my did gosh. You said dog, and all of a sudden you saw her yes. face.
1: And Katie, Lloyd's dog <laughs> is also black and white. So, Ye- Oh, that's an interesting. Folks, it
0: happened here. On the Robcast, she said dog, and my dog appeared.
1: Nothing is an accident. Nothing is a coincidence.
0: Even though my dog always comes back here knowing I'm back here. But it still is awesome. The timing. The timing was.
1: Let me, let me insert meaning into everywhere, even if it's not there. Please, <laughs> exactly,
0: Rob. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hi. Oh. Oh, oh, hi. Good Lord. <gasps> that bark just shakes me. Sorry. Very enthusiastic. <laughs> Very enthusiastic. So... Okay. What I'm fascinated with. Yes. So when we, as civilians, yes, see people acting, yes, and we're and we know bad we know bad acting. Yes. You know what I mean? Like we can spot and we exactly. can't describe why we know it's bad acting. Exactly. And we know good acting, generally because we forget that they're acting.
1: Because, yes, because real, because good actors are living truthfully through imaginary experiences. So there is nothing different happening in your nervous system if it's a real scenario or a fake scenario. There's always a tiny little part of the back of your brain that's aware, you know, that you're not going into a psychosis, but it's a matter of letting yourself go, letting yourself go, just giving yourself permission to really live it out. So if the circumstances, your dad just died. You have to go into this fantasy of like, okay, how would I really like? And you smell it and you sense it and you hear it. And what does it feel like when you touch his hand for the first time after he's passed away? And it just, you know, takes you to a place. Yeah. And the audience, the audience is unconsciously aware of when you're not, of when actors are not actually in that place. Even if they intellectually aren't understanding it,
0: I can't analyze or
1: describe why I know it. I just my 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 body knows exactly, exactly. That's the our animal selves underneath, you know. So
0: fascinating. Yeah. So when you so to study acting, you went all the way into this body, cells, physiology. Yeah. what's
1: Yeah. Well, the, the movement technique is, um, so anyway, so 10 minutes in which to do nothing, this is how we all begin before we even begin to move. Everyone's lying on the floor in the dark and being guided through this 10 minutes of nothing, which they said is not meditation, but it's totally meditation. <laughs> and they said, you know, wherever you are is okay. You know, um, things are going to come up for you. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's boredom, whatever your experience is, is all right. And so all you're responsible for during this 10 minutes is awareness of what's going on for you in your body and in your heart, and then permission to allow whatever comes up to come up. And so doing that, you know, every day for two years will really make you a very supple, you know, sensitive being. Yeah. Um, but it changed my life. Like the movement changed my life more than the acting technique. The movement did something happened to me because there's, it, it leads into, they teach you these basics, the open choreography that is all about circular motion, opening the torso to allow for the freedom. Cause that's where stuff gets blocked up and tension in the body is unprocessed experience. So, it would be clear in an acting scene say when somebody would come in and they were angry but they lost feeling in their hands or they were hyperventilating or they were their jaw was really tense and they'd be called out right away for that because you're not processing there the feeling is getting trapped in your body and so and your body is your instrument so anyway i, I there's no way it's not going to affect how you live Absolutely. Well it, it it made me a different person. I wanted to teach that movement technique for a while. Um, so so permission to have your feelings. Yes. It that was like that was the thing that set me on the course of all the other stuff. Learning about consciousness, absorbing everything I could about every world, religion, spirituality, what is this energy, all of the that was the beginning of that
0: so you said you said you went to hebrew school
1: yeah you came up but that
0: that none of that turned the switches on
1: nope it was this
0: that turned the switches on. exactly
1: it was being it was and that is a very type four thing the way that type fours can (laughs) heal everybody go and read about the enneagram richard Rohr has a great book i think rob's talked about it before uh i did i did hebrew school uh I was confirmed, I was bat mitzvahed, I taught Hebrew school, I went to the Jewish youth conferences, I did all that stuff because I was a good straight-A student. And that's what I was going to do. I was going to do everything well. But I didn't really get it in my core until much later when I was actually in my body.
0: Fascinating. I mean, and that's actually a very Jewish, is that... Spirituality resides in materiality. For many people, spirituality hovers six inches off the ground. It's right. sort of floating, ephemeral, and then you die and go somewhere else, sometime right. else, and not spirit that's found in wine and water and dogs barking and body and skin
1: heaven is and here. Bones. Heaven is here.
0: Say more about that. When did that? When did that begin? Because I, I, I would say for many people, the moment heaven isn't some thing way off there, but heaven present now is like a major moment of growth and development how did that come about i when did you start saying heaven is here
1: i don't know but it's something that actually my 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 best friend abby wants to get tattooed on her body when because i said that are once you gonna write it her. out for her if she asks me <laughs> to i will i will but her penmanship is perfect so we'll see um I mean, it happened at some point after because I just grew up so cynical and so skeptical, but there was definitely a nugget inside of me that was like, there's a reason why I'm not killing myself, even though I'm so, so, so sad. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have the, the desire to find the answer if the answer wasn't there to find. And it wasn't until I, cause I did the movement work. And then like immediately thereafter, I started reading these books, uh, The Cosmic Serpent. I don't know if you've ever read it. Mm-mm. It's by an anthropologist named Jeremy Narby and it's about, uh, shamans in the Amazonian jungle and, um, and ayahuasca, the medicine of ayahuasca. And that took me down a whole different rabbit hole of reading about, you know, DMT and plant medicines and hallucinogens and then reading about, um, consciousness expansion, and then I was getting into Taoism, and it was just all these things were connecting. So when you ask me, when is it that I first started Mm -hmm. thinking that? I don't know exactly when it was, but it was sometime between age 28 and 32. (laughs) (laughs) I have that often.
0: I'll be like, when did that begin to make sense? And I'll have like a vague three-year window when something all went from new to normal. It went from, oh, what an interesting new way to think about it, to I don't remember not thinking about
1: it that way. I just know I just know that I'm grateful to be I mean honestly Rob, I'm I'm really I'm really not here to blow smoke up your butt, but you Good. We're a huge <laughs> I mean you listening to your podcast was oh, a wow. huge catalyst for me oh, in that. Oh, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That is amazing. Um I went through Email. We've exchanged thirty-five emails. I'm so sorry. Over the past few, no, they're fantastic. <laughs> I literally went through them and wrote down things that I wanted to talk about. Because okay. Some of your e- your emails have been so profound that I've been like, "Ooh, that's a good." I'll like reread the email. What? So I I made a list of things in your emails, <laughs> and what's interesting is you have said all of them already. We're getting there. Um, <laughs> you said uh, uh, I aim to create space for vulnerability.
1: Yes. Yes. And so
0: this is why I'm here to create space for vulnerability.
1: Mhm. And tell yes. me
0: what you tell me about moments you've seen through the show like what vulner what vulnerability means and what it does and
1: why it's so important. So a lot of my guests are people who are comfortable performing, comfortable being on stage and um, my my favorite moments are when people surprise themselves. Um because it's really rare for performers to do that, I think, especially stand-ups, because they have a set. So I had uh, my friend Eric Helwig was on the show, and he was going to perform a song that he wrote with his band in high school. And he's a a stand-up, he's an improviser, he's shameless. I've seen him perform a zillion times. All kinds of crazy things come out of his mouth. And in the seconds leading up to when he was gonna start singing, he stopped and he was like, oh my God, I'm really nervous. And he was surprised that he was nervous. And I was like, yes, go for it. Do that. Do that. You know, um, that was awesome. And I find that for whatever reason, I, cause I don't, the bitch sheet is not about shaming people. It's about Making them feel comfortable to share and like we're here and we're gonna clap even if you like take a crap on the stage. Like we are here for you. So <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah, it's and uh Micah Fox, who is a stand-up, she's great. I mean, she's written for some e-cards for a long time and she's so funny, and she is on Twitter all the time saying everything, but when she was reading these um, these journals from high school, she was totally scared about it, embarrassed about it. Like you could see the, con- the little bit of the contraction happen mm. before we urged her to keep going. And then ultimately, as we expected, you know, everybody laughed, but it wasn't laughing at her. It was like, oh God, wasn't seventh grade a sucky time, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so... Yeah, it's the moments when people come up on stage expecting to be the showbiz person they think they are and are immediately back in that vulnerable place where they were when they were adolescents and didn't know which end was up. Does that make
0: sense? Absolutely. Yeah, there's something... I mean, there's all this new research on vulnerability and you have corporations talking about vul- vulnerability. and Oh, so popular
1: also- in corporate... Yeah, um, retreats and everything.
0: Right. Exercise and, and like how that. much energy we spend not being vulnerable and what's what? Where does the bitch seat go from here? Do you want to do? Do you want to do other cities? Do you want to tour? Do you want to do? I mean, do I want? would
1: love to tour eventually, but um, the bitch seat is a podcast now. It's a weekly podcast. We've been recording since January, and so um, uh, I would love to keep growing that. Uh, I really am inspired by, for instance, Mark Marin. He's my favorite my favorite comedian alive. (laughs) Um, and he has this, this space in his podcast at the beginning of it, where he just talks about how he's feeling and what's going on. And I love that part of it best because it's so honest and truthful. And so, and also so intimate because he's inside the listener's ears, you know? So I want to keep the podcast going and, uh, Phil and I are moving out here in January and hopefully going to continue doing the live show, but
0: cause you have a lot more journals.
1: I have a lot more journals, but what I would like to do is to write a treatment for a semi scripted show, um, to make to shoot it somehow, either for web or TV and just give it the biggest platform possible to reach as many people as possible to start the conversation with as many people as possible about, not just burying stuff from the past, but really processing it because you said this a couple of weeks ago, I think about, you know, if you don't process, if you don't process the feelings, they're still there. Then they're just carrying them around. Yeah. Yeah, You're turning them into cancer. You know, you might as well process them.
0: What is the one thing from your acting training through the show? What is the one thing if everybody knew it about their bodies? or spirit, or experience, or past, or regret.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. we got to start with bodies first. That's it, a lot of things. Uh, what
0: it, What is the... Because it feels to me like in the Western world, mm-hmm. so many people live disconnected from their bodies.
1: Yes. It's like the body and brain are two different, entirely different things. Right.
0: T- um, so whether it's nu- nutrition, sleep, exercise, emotion, all the basics, um, just awareness of this person and what's even in the space between us. Where, in your experience, what's the thing that if everybody knew or could live that or understand that, an unbelievable amount of healing and understanding would happen? Probably the biggest question I could possibly think of.
1: I mean, it's epic. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave here and think of ten other things they would have rather said. Um, well, then
0: there's a part two. <laughs> but, but I think I think what you were talking about. I just I think the reconnection to the body. Yes. Um. That the body is the echo of the soul, that this is all a connection. I think this integration is one of the
1: giant things that's happening. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. And uh, I think, first of all, that, you know, in our society, everybody is told to look a certain way, right? I mean, I'm not, this is, people have been saying this forever, but we are holding. In a lot of ways, we are bound in our bodies in a lot of ways because we want to appear a certain way. And even if you're sucking in your stomach, people can see you. People can see you anyway. So you might as well just release that. And it's not about relaxing. Um, Lloyd Williamson was very consistent about saying that it's about release and so it's not about relaxing it's it's about about release. release so the tool that i take with me every day that i'm always doing that i'm always in practice of and it is an awareness practice of like okay release my stomach okay release my my asshole for lack of a better word or like release my jaw while i'm on the subway you know or while I'm waiting in the bagel line. um, You can always release, and uh, you release into a fuller experience. Because when you're not spending the energy holding those muscles in, you can use that energy to absorb sensually what else is going on. And the 10 minutes of doing nothing, um, I think people should do it every day. And you don't have to expect anything from it, it's just about Getting you to the place where you're aware of how many processes are happening for you. So even when you're in quote unquote stillness, you're never completely still because the breath is always moving. And you can notice the temperature of the air against your skin and the density of it and the flavor of it and what the ground feels like. And if you're noticing all these things, suddenly life just becomes more and more and more dimensional. So, and you forget, you know, I get frustrated and anxious and angry sometimes. And I forget, but if you cultivate the habit of remembering like, Oh God, just let that out. You know, I think that's the most useful.
0: Oh, that is so good. That is so good. And the acting, your mentor coach Mm -hmm. would stop you mid scene if you were too tight.
1: Yes. Well, the acting, the acting room and the movement room, were a little bit separate, but the movement teachers would come into the acting room during the acting class sometimes and sort of rest their hand like mid scene while this is going on and people are screaming at each other and sobbing. And the, act- the the movement teacher would say, OK, pause for a second, would come over and put his or her hand, you know, one hand just re- resting gently on the chest or on the lower back or would uh, expand uh, extend the cervical vertebrae, the top vertebrae in your spine. That is where a lot of tension gets held. And you would see this incredible transformation happen in front of our eyes where, um, you know, just because of that touch, it wasn't a force. It wasn't pushing anything, but just because of that reminder touch, all of a sudden the person would come to life and the tears would just start flowing. And it was like watching magic. And I and that was why I had to understand that more. What was going on there. What was going on there, because I was always a very emotional person. But when I got on stage, nothing would come out. I was, the, I was absolutely, like, the worst about that. And so I needed the movement, you know, so much. But to watch that happen, I was like, there's something... There's something that everybody is ignoring and like, and clamping down on. And it's not prioritized because honestly, if you walked around every day, that kind of open, I mean, that kind of vulnerable, right. people take advantage of you. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Some of that shell you needed to survive and our ancestors needed that.
1: Exactly. But for most of us, we're using way too much of that shell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: You know, it's interesting. You talk about the movement coach, teacher. Yeah. Uh, would come into yeah. a scene, mm-hmm. take two act, stop, pause, mm-hmm. and then like place it. Because that's, especially when I'm doing a live event, mm-hmm. but even in writing or just recording something, I'll often have that sense of my words. Like I'm trying to. Release, Mm -hmm. get the blood flowing, get Mm -hmm. the energy. You're bound up Mm -hmm. about being a parent. You're bound up about money. Mm -hmm. You're bound up about fear. Um, You're bound up about what this person is going to think. That's one of the best descriptions I've ever heard that I can relate to of how I see my work, which is... I yeah. just want to place some words on your chest cuz I can't get my yes. hand on your chest cuz that would be weird yes. from this far away or on a giant right. but it's like I want to get I want to put these words on you <sighs> on your lower back and just let you
1: And the thing is that the that the body understands so much more than we give it credit for you know because we try to control everything with our mind even though the mind is a yeah. tool for right. us as opposed to right. us being a tool for it and um that's why I think you know, there's this, that that I think it's a, a Buddhist saying that's you know if you're if you're happy you should or you should meditate twenty minutes a day and if you're really stressed out you should meditate for an hour a day or something. It's, I mean, I'm totally butchering it, but that especially as somebody who tried to think my way through my entire life, just like clench down and think as hard as I could and still get nowhere. It turned out the answer was that if I released in my body surprise, like the thoughts became clear Mm -hmm. as sometimes I'll be doing the 10 minutes of nothing, usually in the morning, right after I wake up. And as I'm releasing, I'll remember my dreams. They will come to me as my body is letting go. So yeah, I, and it's, it's such a, it's so backwards from what you think it would be, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll often have somebody at an event ask a question, like one of those, what do you do if... Yeah. And I'll... Um, okay, I know you have thoughts about this, and I know other people have thoughts about this. Let's set... Um, what does your... Let's talk about your bones, your cells. hmm Do you actually know? Like, if you just pause for a minute. Do, do, do you actually, in the seat of your being... Do you actually know the answer to the question that you're asking? I'll do this in front of like hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe how many people just that like pause will go, I do. Yeah. It's, almost, it's, it's literally like a, hold on, your brain is racing. Your monkey mind's all over the place. Yep. What these authority figures or coworkers told you. Hold on, hold on. Chat. Stop that for a second. Do you actually know the answer to what you just asked? Somewhere in... And even that rudimentary, how many people actually are carrying around the answer? And it's in the body. It's I, I, the way I would describe it would be your your body already knows. It's yes. It's like way down the road going. Come on.
1: Yes. Oh
0: my word! This is it's so inspiring what you're doing.
1: It Thank really you. It really is.
0: Thank you. It's really inspiring. And um, I don't know anything about acting, but so it's so interesting how many much of this I relate to. From my, my work of just, because uh, I started out with, uh, like I you, you went and you learned this stuff, and then it's like brain, prepare it, exactly. outline, Roman numeral, sub-point, make it really smart and clever. Mm-hmm. And then just I would say over the past 25 years, my work has been, oh, this is an integrated thing. This is all the different parts and pieces of your being. And, and even what I'm saying is coming through, the totality of my being and the more the totality of my being is is love and harmony and flow and goodness and reconciliation and redemption then the words are coming through a very different thing
1: yeah I mean you can say as many words as you want until you're blue in the face but until you're really experiencing those words yes what are they worth what's the point just chatter yeah exactly ain't nobody got time for that (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming to the Backhouse. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is, this is just a dream. I feel like I could talk to you for several years. Well, <laughs> we've got time. We, yeah. Because <laughs> heaven's here. <laughs> it's right. It's right here right now. Exactly. So, um, website, yes. info, contact <clears throat> you. So, uh, the Bitch Seat is on iTunes or Google okay. Play. Uh, you can listen. So please subscribe. Um, tell your friends about it. And uh, if you... Uh, want to talk to me, uh, my website is com. The Bitch Seat has a page there too. And uh, you can email me. I would love to hear about people's artifacts from youth or, or journal entries or whatever. Send them my way. Um, on Instagram, I am a flock of sandwiches and that's my favorite <laughs> social media. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, the Bitch Seat, com. I could
0: see, I could see you doing Journal readings in cities.
1: I would, l- I would love to tour. I love be traveling
0: because all the content is already there, mm-hmm. and you essentially. I think that would be a really interesting Robcast peoples, That's an idea. I think it'd be really interesting, and you'd be like the.
1: Yeah, and yep. the and the cool and you the heard, cool thing is yes, and thank you, folks. I love all of you, even though I don't know you yet. Um, I've, I've, a recent kind of. This is a good way to close it, but a recent um, other kind of variety show I did, uh, I took a printout of uh, the Enneagram description of Type 4, and uh, I highlighted the places where it said exactly what I said in my journals, and I went back and forth reading from the old journals and the Enneagram description of me, like I was doing a research paper on myself. Wow. (laughs) It was really fun.
0: Wow. Enneagram is E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Richard Rohr has an excellent book on it. There's several new books on it. Um, But incredibly helpful in relationships, work, understanding yourself, marriage. um, And at some point, we'll do a Robcast on all this. Thank you again. So great.
1: Thank you, Rob. This has been just the best.
0: so great. All right. Grace and peace, my friends.